It's brilliant to be with you guys. We've been looking forward to this for quite a while now. It's just, um, I've got to say, it's been lovely hearing your story over there. It's over a year now, isn't it? You've been meeting in here, a year and a bit. It's just been lovely hearing your story, watching your story unfold here. And I was at Enough, we got to pray for you guys at Enough on Friday as well, didn't we? Um, Jenny and I, we got to visit here. First Sunday of September, we got to come and worship with you guys. And it was my sabbatical. We had a three-month sabbatical over the summer. We visited various churches and plants uh, during the summer. And we got to say, we don't say this to everyone, but genuinely, our Sunday with you guys was one of the highlights of our visits over the summer. We just loved hanging out with you guys. There's a real, real sense of strong, deep family here. Just a strong desire to worship Jesus and tell people about him. And we just, it, was, it, was just, it was just simple and so deep, and it's just something to cherish, something to relish. And Jenny and I just loved it. It was one of our highlights of our sabbatical. I've got to say that. We don't say that to everybody else as well. <laughs> but genuinely. But, <laughs> on this, Gov. But with that in mind, I want to encourage you this morning. What I want to share with you isn't anything brand new, but it's just an, an encouragement just to... Be like Mary. You know in the Gospels where we hear about Jesus' mum, Mary, and all these things that are happening in those early days, the pregnancy and the birth and that, it says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. You remember that verse? I think it's just a really important thing I just want to share with you guys t- today. Just to, We were hearing earlier about the small things in the prayers, weren't we? And I don't think it's a coincidence that God stirred that in our prayers this morning. It's about treasuring the small things. That's what I want to talk about this morning because... What you're seeing here, we're hearing, hearing lots of what's been happening in the past year and the challenges of space now already. Um, these are first fruits of a big eventful harvest to come. I'm absolutely convinced. These are, just, these are exciting, but these are just first fruits. And what we can do, we can get so um, kind of consumed with all the stuff we haven't got and all these little things and these little niggles and that, we forget to cherish them. And it's really important just to step back every now and again and just to treasure them in our hearts. Does that make sense? That's what I want to do. Today, because envy is a big heart killer, isn't it? Envy is a big heart killer, both in the world, but actually that seeps into the church as well. It's something we need to guard against. And quite often the question is, well, we understand it's a danger, but how? You know, One of the, um, one of the biggest dangers of social media, internet, so that fear of missing out, and it, it displays that everybody else's supposedly glamorous lives, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> while we get to see the downside of our own lives, don't we? That's the trouble. And in the same way, have you ever been envious of what's happening in another church? Yeah? Look at all those baptisms they're having. Look at all those healings. Look at those numbers turning up. Look at those projects, those initiatives. Why haven't we got some of that going on? It's such an easy pinch of the heart we get very, very quickly. I've I've been prone to that myself. It's so easy to look around, see the showreel of another church, we're being painfully aware of our own behind-the-scenes footage. Is that not true? It's life in general, it seeps into church. And as a result, we can end up not appreciating what we do have. Success and progress are two big values in our culture, in our age at the moment. Success is about always achieving. Success is always about achieving more. And progress is always about acquiring more. And They've seeped into our culture so much that we forget how much that seeped into us and therefore into the church. It's always about being successful. It's always about growing. Yeah, but be careful where our hearts lie because these values, they can 
interweave so deeply into our thinking, we're, unless we're careful to ably reflect just how much it seeps into our own thinking and got a grip on our own hearts, what we can do, we can be blind to the dangers and be blind to what God actually wants to do amongst us. Yeah? So, it's an instant culture we live in. Amazon Prime. I want that now. So I'm going to stick it on my credit card. I'll get it first thing in the morning. Yeah? Amazon Prime, instant. It's like, um, have you ever got really, really upset because the website's taking more than five seconds to load? <laughs> I could be reading this by now. Yeah. It's about instant information, instant communication, instant gratification. And it feeds an, a, a desire for everything instantly. That feeds impatience. And I've got to say, that is not on God's agenda. And therefore it shouldn't be on our agenda. It's no coincidence that this says this on the wall. We don't rush our coffee. It takes five years for a coffee plant to produce beans. I want my coffee now. Plant. I've just planted you. I want the Americano. It doesn't happen like that. And I don't think that's a coincidence that's up there. We need to so often step back and slow our hearts down and see what God is doing rather than getting jealous about what we haven't got. And that's what I want to speak into now. This is a big lesson for me in church leadership. I've been involved in church leadership in various, various degrees over the years, particularly in Beacon for the past 10, 11 years, Beacon Church in Herne Bay. It's about the value of the small things. It's about the value of baby steps. It's about the value of being patient. About learning not to despise the small things. It's about to not look at what everybody else is doing, to get jealous of that. It's about relaxing and enjoying the journey. Sometimes we can be so intent on this desired destination, we forget to enjoy the hills and the trees that we're driving past. So, let's, do you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3? And I'm going to pray. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I've lost it. Someone's moved it. There it is. I just want to take a step back a bit before we come back to this subject of appreciating the small things and just to remind ourselves of how church is even possible in the first place and therefore about the part we get to play in that. Let me pray and then we're going to read. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 3 from verse 5 in just a moment. But Lord, we thank you. You're a God who cares about the small things as well as the, as well as the big things. Lord, we thank you that we have your word, your living word, that speaks into our lives, that penetrates the heart. Lord, help us to receive whatever it is you want to say to us this morning. We say, Holy Spirit, you are more than welcome here. Will you challenge us where we need to be challenged? Will you provoke us and stir us where we need to be provoked? Will you encourage us, Lord? Because ultimately we need to remember that this is not our church, this is your church. So, Lord, will you just come and speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, let me just read these few verses first, and then we'll tell it back a bit. This is from verse 5. Um, Paul is writing to a, a church. It's still fairly young. It's, it's an average-sized house church, really, in Corinth. And he's um, speaking to a situation here where this church has been started by one guy himself, Paul. It's been pastored then after that by another guy. And now these this church, these people here are now arguing about which one of them is the best. I prefer that leader, I prefer that leader. So this is what happens. From verse 5, Paul goes, What then? 
is Apollos. What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I, I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. See, these two people that Paul's talking about, himself and this other guy, Apollos. Apollos was an Egyptian. He was an Egyptian Jew. He was an evangelist. And he, is, he was gifted in defending the faith and he was gifted in equipping and building up, pastoring the church, particularly in Ephesus and also here at Corinth. That's who this guy, Apollos, is. And Paul himself, who's writing the letter, he founded the church there in Corinth. He started it. He was there, Gordon Watson. And he spent 18 months, I'm not saying you're like St. Paul the Apostle, it's the other way around, Paul's like you. So he spent 18 months starting the church, Paul spent 18 months with him, and then Apollos came in, and what he did, he continued to pastor them to equip them. And now Paul is getting wind of the church, they're becoming tribal, basically. They're forming their fan clubs around these church personalities that's what that's what they're doing and he's like it's like what's going on it's like we're paul fc and we're apollos united who are yeah all this kind of stuff and paul is like what are you doing seriously what are you doing it's like no way he said i was the startup leader i said apollos fed you and taught you to walk i started it apollos carried, kind of carried on the journey but don't in any way think it's about either of us at all it's not. We didn't make this happen. And it's not about us becoming famous for it or taking, actually, any of the credit. It's Jesus' church. He's saying, who? He says, I, I planted Apollos watered, but who brought the life? Who, brought, who, who is it that actually breathed life into this? Who brought the growth? Verse 6, God did. And suddenly that reframes everything and it takes our eyes off the wrong things. Paul is saying, we played a role but we aren't the source of it and we are not the point of it at all. It's God. So look at verse 5. I love the language that he uses. This is one word he uses in verse 5 to describe himself and Apollos. He goes, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? We are servants through whom you believed. And what I love there, when you dig into the original text there, the, the Greek there, the word he's using for servant isn't just any old servant. It's about a table waiter. Going, we are waiters. That's, what, that's who we are. Anyone here done waiting, waitressing? Yeah? There's waiters and waitresses. They're a curious breed. I don't mean that derogatory. <laughs> what I mean is, there's this whole... Maybe, maybe some of them are, I don't know. There's this whole etiquette about tipping, isn't there? About how good were they or how not so good were they? How much shall I tip them? What sort of percentage is appropriate for their level of service today? There's a whole etiquette. It's like, how much should I give? Am I being over generous, under generous, and so on? It's a sticky topic of etiquette. I bet you've met some really good waiters and waitresses in your time, yeah? And I'm sure you've probably met some bad ones. Yeah? Jenny can remember a waitress from our first wedding anniversary 24 years ago. 
our first dating anniversary. So it's even more years ago. 26 years ago. Jenny remembers a waitress who kept licking her fingers. I know, yeah, see? Exactly. Not good. So she had to have a word with the manager, and she's never forgotten. I haven't got a clue. I've had a sleep since then. So I, I don't remember it. Jenny remembers it very well. We, sometimes we remember the bad waiters and waitresses, but we can also remember the good ones. During our sabbatical, we spent a month in California, so we did a lot of eating out. Remember the good waiters and waitresses? There was Wendy at Disney. Do you remember Wendy at Disney? Yeah, Amy's nodding away. She went above and beyond to make our experience brilliant. And there was this mad Italian guy at another Italian restaurant in Marina del Rey. Both, both of them were brilliant. They went the extra mile to make sure that our experience was second to none. They cared about the small things. See, waiters, waitresses, they are not ultimately responsible... No, they're not the ultimate responsible parties for the restaurant and the food. Are they? They're the servants who bring it to the table. But they can still make or break the experience. We, as God's waiters, we get to serve. We get to bring the food to the table. It's a privilege and it's a weighty onus. Waiters get to uh, represent the establishment's owners. We represent Jesus, the head of the church. Waiters don't own the restaurant. Waiters don't cook the food. But they do participate in the delivery of the feast. Which is why it's just such a brilliant language that Paul's using here in this text. We can be great waiters. We can be willing to go the extra mile we should be willing to, be, to care about the small things. We can be good waiters, or we could be the rubbish ones. We've got a choice in how we play and how we participate. And so this is about treasuring the small things and serving well, quietly, thoughtfully, considerately, making the difference for those who are hungry. Suddenly it just gives it a fresh spin that just suddenly really helps us. So the point is... Paul's saying here, so we can place too much emphasis on the big personalities in church. I'm following that leader, I'm with that leader. But the principle also applies to how we approach the big projects and the things we see in other churches or looking for the big numbers when actually that misses the point of where and how this works in the first place. Trouble is we can spend too much emphasis on seeing the shiny wonders of another church, for example and think we're missing out, when in fact we miss what God is already doing underneath the surface. And there's something we've been learning in greater and greater measure at Beacon Church, that it's about focusing less on trying to make things happen, and trying to get what they've got over there, we want that here, and all this kind of stuff. That's God's problem, bringing the growth. But for us, it's more about seeing the opportunities that he's opening up, and being willing to roll our sleeves up and get involved in what he's already up to rather than telling him what he should be doing or making, putting big expectations on God. It's like, that's not what I'm about. I've got something else planned for you. It's God's waiters. It's about caring about the small things and letting him worry about the food and the venue. It's one thing to see what other churches are doing and go, that's brilliant. Let's do, let's do that. God, we need to be having one of those, please. And God, in the meantime, was like, I'm over here, kids. I don't know about you, but I'm doing this stuff over here in the corner. 
We can often forget that. The trouble is, the things that God is often doing underneath the surface doesn't look as shiny or blingy as what we see, the glamour showreel of other churches, for example. But I can guarantee that's where the treasure will be. You think treasure hunters, where do they go looking for their treasure? Do they go looking in nice, clean, tidy places? No. Scruffy beaches and dirty fields. But that's always where the treasure is. And that's what we need to appreciate, that God loves the hedgerows, God loves the byways, he likes to surprise us, he likes to bring growth in surprising places, and we need to be willing to keep our eyes open and our ears to the ground, relishing the small things more than the big things. That's where the treasure is. And so it's about participation, is the word we use at Beacon Church, it's about participation, it's saying, where is God at work, not where we think he should be at work, where is God at work, how can we roll our sleeves up and get involved? John chapter 15, Jesus says, Abide in me, apart from me you can do nothing. That's actually that's what he says. Abide in me, apart from me you can do nothing. We can try and do stuff on our own steam, come up with our own great ideas, but God has other plans. And what we need to be doing is listening out for what he's up to in the surprising places and participating. And all the, I've got to be honest, all the bigger successes, for want of a better word, the great fruitful moments of Beacon Church have been in the small things and participating where God's at work and enjoying the journey as we go. I've got, uh, we, we joined Beacon Church 11 years ago and at the time it had been struggling, it had been limping for quite a number of years, just for, for various reasons, since it had started in the 90s. And basically the leaders of the church at the time were like, we are small, we are generally old, and judging by the current pattern of things, if nothing intentional is done, we're gonna, the church is going to die out. And sometimes that happens. Something, something needs to happen. So they started praying into it with the local church leaders in, around Kent, and they heard from God that Jenny and I were at City Church in Canterbury, and God was setting us apart for this to, to move to Beacon Church and start drawing in younger families from the area, and the next generation, and, and effectively turn the ship around in the port. It wasn't a plant like you guys are, it was more of a replant. Um, long story short, we listened to God, and he was right. We, 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 we followed through, and we've just been learning to participate in what God's doing in the small things, rather than, that works in that big church, let's do that here, and why haven't we got it here, and get envious, and so on and so forth. It's about just enjoying the small things and see what God will do with it. So, one of the things we did when we first turned up was just introduce a toddler group. We called it Coffee and Chaos. It was real coffee and real chaos. It was good fun. Uh, it ran for 11 years. It finished this year for really good reasons. It, it, it ran its course. But the whole point of it was just uh, how do we meet people in the community? This small church was struggling to even just make friends in the community. How do we do that? Toddler group. Brilliant. So we did that. Ran for 11 years. Um, it was more about making friendships with people rather than a big initiative in the first place. It was just going to be a toddler group that's going to meet these people where they're at. But after a while, we started thinking, oh yeah, but all these people could be un-Christians. What do we need? What's the quick fix? Now we've got these friends now. What do we do now? So Christianity Unwrapped. We'll run a Christianity Unwrapped course. We'll make it easy for them. We'll remove all the obstacles. We have this great idea. This is our idea, you see. We'll run a Christianity Unwrapped course. They've all got these questions. I know they have. Everybody has. 
So let's just make it easy for them. We'll arrange for someone to provide the food. We'll arrange for people to do childcare. So when Coffee and Chaos finishes at 12 o'clock on a Friday lunchtime, we'll say, please, please stay for an hour and a half. We'll look after your kids. We'll provide you food. And we'll do this course, which will answer all your questions. We had a great idea. Nobody signed up. Zero signed up. I'm so pleased nobody signed up because it proved the point to me. We had this great idea and God's like, that's not where I'm at. I've got other ideas. Because all along, in the meantime, we'd just been making friends. And one of, our, one, of, one, one of the things he used to do was, after parents had been coming for a few weeks and got to know him a little bit, I'd send him a Facebook request, friend request on Facebook. And uh, I, know, I know Facebook is all, all about oh, having a bad day. You, know, you okay, hun? PM me, all this kind of stuff. I, I, strangely enough, I, I use face, um, Facebook to uh, network socially. I believe it's called a social network, so I try and use it that way. So I'd send people a Facebook request, and then through that, just seeing their feeds, next time I see them, I go, so sorry to hear about your nan. How was little one's party? Oh, is little one feeling better now? They've been, you know, I heard they were ill last week. It just helps feed the relationship, feed the conversation. And it builds relationship to the point where we're able to invite them back for lunch after coffee and cows, just to get two or three mums and their kids back for lunch on a regular basis. Then we got to meet their other halves. Then we used to have them around for dinner as couples, got to meet their husbands, hang out with them. Some of them I started going down the pub with, started getting invited to their houses for dinner. Through these relationships, we then end up going on holiday together. We used to go camping. We did one camp for about, I mean, it was about 30 of us. We went, we went camping for a weekend. And then some of them started inviting us to their big yearly trips to centre parks. So there was about three, four, five families who used to go to centre parks every year for a whole week. It was brilliant. <coughs> Bubbling away, we, we didn't really appreciate what that was. We've got new friends. Well, over here, we're going to make Christians. Zero. We've got all these friends. God's like, this is where I'm at. Watch this space. And it's through this that actually the questions came. Because I did ask some of, some of the mums when we had this course and no one signed up. I was like, can I ask you in private, why did you not sign up to this course? And they went, we have got those questions. But we're not going to ask, ask those in, in a group. We'll ask you privately. So they're brilliant. But you're not asking me these questions. <laughs> but actually, over time, and particularly going on holiday with them, after years, it takes years to produce beans, after years they've started asking the questions. Now, not all of those are Christians yet, but I'm trusting we're in the middle of the story. It's not that hasn't. That is where God is at work. And even now, with those, the Coffee and Chaos finished, and with those kids now at school as well, we are still friends with those people. We're, seeing, we're hanging out with a bunch of them on Friday for a curry night. We had some around for a cup of tea the other week, went to, got invited to a massive great party caught up with someone we hadn't seen for a while. We're still friends. They still ask the questions. So, so one or two of them actually been to church for a little while and through mental health, she's, she's stepped back a little bit. We were praying for her to come back. And then all along, on the side of that, some of the other gang from Coffee and Chaos, one of the mums at Coffee and Chaos, started opening up about, just during coffee time, about her struggles with the supernatural realm and how it freaked her out and was able to share some of the gospel and how, how Jesus kind of steps into that. And on the back of that, we ended up doing an impromptu Christianity and rap course, which another mum, who wasn't part of that original conversation, said, if you need emotional support, I'll come with you. Came along, 
And one of those mums got saved and baptised last December and now she's coming to church and getting so stuck in. She is thriving and her husband's been coming along and he confessed last week. He said, I'm that far away from giving my life to Jesus. God works in the surprising quiet corner when we have bigger ideas. Amen? It's brilliant. So one one more more story about um, what's been going on at Beacon is about how we've accommodated our growth. I mean, you're talking about what next here. We've had big ideas. God's had other ideas. So you have to just listen out to this small voice, don't we? So we, we, uh, we used to meet for a number of years in a chapel, which we still own. We kind of semi-run it as a bit of a community centre. But we were just starting to fill it up. We weren't busting at the seams eight, seven, eight years ago. Um, but someone, uh, Graham Hall, used to look after us. as a, He's also one of the leaders in, in Ashford at the time. Um, he came and preached one week and he had a prophetic word for us and said, I believe God is calling you into a bigger plant pot. You know, a plant won't grow, won't keep growing and burst the pot. It gets stunted. You need to put it into a bigger pot and then it grows again. He said, you guys need to move to a bigger plant pot. So we had all these great ideas of where this bigger plant pot was. So we asked all those places that we knew that bigger plant pot was going to be. And they all said, no. So it's like, what's going on? Alongside was that story about coffee and chaos. One of those dads, Martin, we used to go to each other's for dinner. And just one Saturday, he and Karen were round for dinner. And he said, oh, I hear you've been looking for a bigger venue for Sundays. What's happened? I said, oh, nothing. It's all been no. He went, let me have a chat with the head teacher of our kids' primary school. Uh, I'll get back to you. That was it. Just a little comment. It's like, okay. That was on the Saturday. Monday morning, he texts me. I've had a word. He's up for it. Give him a bill. Literally. And within a few weeks, we moved into the primary school. So again, Donnie? We had asked there and they said no. Martin was like, let me sort this out. Literally, within 48 hours, it's like the head teacher's up for it. Go around and meet him. And within a few weeks, we're in there. God did it quietly in his own way when we had bigger ideas. So we were there in the primary school for a few years. And again, we grew, but we weren't bursting at the seams. We didn't have to move, but we were sensing it was, good. It, it was time to do the same again. So we had all these great ideas about where we should go, particularly the high school up the road, the secondary school. Uh, we asked them three times, and three times they said no. We came up with ideas with how it would work for them, and there were still thanks but no thanks. Uh, we even did a Jericho prayer walk as a church. And it's funny because we, we met around the corner, we got about 40 of us, and we did this like, can we do it in groups so it doesn't look too weird to the neighbours? <laughs> Is anyone looking? Go, go, go. Well, walking around the school doing this Jericho prayer walk. And, uh, and I mentioned to another, t- another um, church leader once about we did this Jericho prayer walk. We walked around it and prayed over it because we were determined it was ours and still nothing happened. And he went, did you do it seven times? I was like, no, I never thought about that. But thankfully we didn't go that way. Because God's had better ideas. Because all along, and it's a very long story short, there was an old empty nightclub on the seafront, right in the centre of town, right on the seafront, and I just ended up, a chance phone call, ended up speaking to the owner, and he said, you can have it 24-7 for a decent price. So we got all really excited about it. He ended up selling it instead of letting us rent it, and sold it to new owners who then also said, we want you in. 
but because of their business model, the, the conversation broke down because they, they needed more money and give us less space that wouldn't work for us and so on and so forth. So it broke down. But all along there have been prophetic words that actually we were convinced that was ours eventually, including Gordon. There was one time he said to me, that two years ago, have you got a new place yet? I went, no, but there is something bubbling away in the background. He went, is it a nightclub? Yeah. It's like, I thought, Herne Bay's not, not known for its clubbing culture. <laughs> no. So where, where did that come from? And Gordon said, I don't know, it must be the Holy Spirit. So I thought, I'm having that. But there were loads of other pictures about me playing with beer taps and two days before when I've been visiting, I've always wanted to do that, so I've been playing with the beer taps. People who didn't know what was going on, these various pictures and prophetic words that this is ours, just not yet. And the conversation broke down for about a year. This March, just gone, we had a month of prayer and fasting, which is something we now do every March at Beacon Church. And one of those weeks we were focusing as a church on praying for a new venue. And as that finished that weekend, ready for us to, the following week to pray for something else, as that week of praying for a new venue finished, on the Monday morning, I was in one of the cafes in town at 10am, and the owner, the new owner of the nightclub and this cafe, who is not a morning person, who also lives in Alpington, happened to be there that Monday morning at 10am, and the first words from his mouth were, Hi Steve, have you got anywhere yet? We want you in. And within six weeks, we're in, and we now meet there every Sunday. We've got room to grow to three times the size. We've got room for our young people. and It works brilliantly, and it's a ridiculous price. God, while we had all these great big ideas... We weren't relishing the smaller conversations and enjoying and treasuring these things in our hearts. It's like, enjoy the rise. See what God can do. This is what God does time and time again. I've got so many other stories, but the things we've tried to make happen, they can gnaw away at our hearts and come to very little. And yet it eats us up. Why isn't this happening? But the things where we've participated with what God is doing quietly are what has become fruitful. And that's what Paul's talking about here. It's like, it's God who brings the growth. We've got to trust that. We've got to let go of what grips our heart on trying to make things happen and striving. There needs to be a greater appreciation of one small step in front of another. We can't diss that. It needs to, to be honest, it won't be long before you look back and go, look how far we've travelled. I know you can do that now. You can look back over the year and go, flip a neck, look at this. Just imagine in five years' time, ten years' time. You don't need to make it happen. It's about participating with what God's already doing quietly. Let me just leave you with one more thing. Two more things. One thing is what a friend of mine, Richard Burgess, is in a a New Frontiers church in Ashford. He says, we can't expect the extraordinary unless we're willing to walk through the ordinary. I'll say that again. We can't expect the extraordinary if we're not prepared to walk through the ordinary. It's in the ordinary that God does stuff. And it's out of that that the extraordinary comes. And there's one more thing. is in Matthew 25, Jesus tells the parable of the talents. And he's telling the story about this master entrusting some of his property to various servants to look after and to invest. And he comes back and asks them how they've done. What is it he says to the ones that have done the right thing? Does he say to them, This is what Jesus would say to us. Does he say, well done, driven and successful servant? Well done, striving and envious of others' servant? No, he simply says, well done, good and faithful servant. That is all 
he asks of us to be good and faithful and enjoy the small things. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to leave it there. What I think would be good, if you're willing to join me, it'd be good just from where you're sitting, if you're willing to, just to shout out your prayers. Take it in turns for a while and then Gordon can wrap things up when it's right. But it'd be good just to, let's just pray into this. About appreciating the small things, enjoying the journey, trusting these things to God, guarding the envy in our heart. As you feel led, as Holy Spirit stirs you anywhere that's kind of pinched your heart, feel free to pray out so the rest of us can amen together. And just let's just see what God does in this moment, yeah? Go for it. Feel free.